I'm not sure. Oh my gosh. Now we're there. We're finally there. The starting, it would be nice if they had a 3 2 1, but welcome. We got a whole new week to round up with you. And um, hey, uh, let's, let's just start off with this question. What is the biggest fear mongering headline you've seen all week? That'd be the, uh, the USA Today article is, uh, is the drive to legalize marijuana ignoring major risks? It's ignoring major risks. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, there was a USA Today uh, news article that uh, may foreshadow what we're going to have as legalization goes towards uh, its inevitable conclusion uh, of you know, full adult use. But will they pull out all the stops and start scaring people? You know, uh, it's surprising. Uh, there have been more uh, gay marriage accidents since the legalization of gay marriage. Just saying. Oh, no. Oh, oh. there's probably been a lot more divorces of, of since gay marriage. But one thing I'm going to share the screen on here is I want to show people the um, the headline. Yeah. The headline, it, it's a question. Car crashes, psychosis, suicide. Is the drive to legalize marijuana ignoring major risks? Question mark. You know? Uh, and the reason with that is, is that a headline? Is that news? Or is it just is it just asking questions? Well, I'm kind of sad to see this in USA Today as far as a, uh, a reefer madness fear mongering article. Well, I, I think it's I think that's going to be like what they have to do, because why would they allow it, especially the, the moneyed interests that have skin in the game and keeping marijuana illegal? Why would they just kind of roll over and let it go? But uh, reading the article did raise another question. Hey, do you remember the 90s? No. You mean as far as uh, uh, the fear mongering goes? No, no, no. Uh, as far as how strong was marijuana 25 years ago in the 90s? Oh, because the, the article makes reference to 3% THC from the 90s. Uh, were you smoking cannabis uh, back in, in 2000? Or, I'm sorry, 1995, let's say? Oh, yeah, and it wasn't any stronger. It wasn't any strong. Wait, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I remember some really crappy weed from 20 years ago, but uh, I still remember some good stuff that's just as good as the stuff now. So when I read the uh, the the 3% myth about how just 20 years ago there was just 3% THC, no, man. I mean, like, Dr. Dre's album, The Chronic, was in 1991, for crying out loud. And, and they, Well, they feel that, you know, this fucking bullshit THC percentage fucking fear-mongering, they fail to address the whole fucking full component of the plant where THC is not the only fucking thing that makes people feel loopy, silly, uh, munchies. You know, all the cabinoids together, uh, the ensemble effect is what makes it not not just THC. You know, I've also heard that as the entourage effect and not just THC. But, yeah, it's the entire. And that's that's an interesting aspect of the FDA regulations that's going that are coming out and we'll discuss later on has to do with uh, what's the difference between a drug, which is illegal, and an extract, which is legal, but uh, later. So you're saying that all these cannabinoids together prov provide different experiences? Exactly. That's that's the whole point right now. Uh, there's been a, uh, a conversation being had amongst like the Leafly. There's an article in Leafly where we're looking at terpene profiles, you know, when everybody says I have Blue Dream or fucking Snoop's Dream or whatever it is you have, whatever strain name, and I don't doesn't matter how crazy that name is. Yeah, it, it's just a matter of 
how do I know I'm smoking the same thing in Washington that I, I smoked in California 10 years ago? And it comes down to the genetic profile. And then the genetic profile, does Leafly actually track that and publish it? Is that because I know Leafly has like all the strains and like all the dispensaries and all that other stuff. But are they is there some type of genetic, um, you know, 23andMe DNA sequencing app that's going on in the cannabis world? Yeah, it's an amazing little thing. So let me give you a quick. There's a, a wheel, an infographic wheel with terpenes. Nice. And uh, I'll put that in the uh, comments. In the comments? Cool. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd be interested in checking that out. They did a study, which I was a, I was on a panel uh, or at a, a listening to a panel speak. And the scientists, what they did was they took Blue Dream in Washington, Blue Dream in Oregon, and Blue Dream in, in, in Colorado, and, and took those terpene profiles and you know, stripped everything away as far as name goes, looked at the profiles, and they matched so similarly, it was proof that the genetics had a common genetics. So, but the, the point being is, you know, we're going to get to the point you can no longer call it Blue Dream or Purple Haze or wherever the fuck it is. You're going to be like, I want high Marcine or, or high, uh, 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 you know, was it lavender, lanolin? You know, you want. Do so you think that they're going to have in in like five years a more sophisticated cannabis uh, consumer is not going to be asking for you know, strain names like Jack Rare or Blueberry or Blue Dream, but it's going to be asking more about the terpene profiles that are actually in the cannabis. Yeah, so that's already happening now with like uh, cartridges. You know, you have one plant being extracted for its uh, THC and THHCA and all the other cannabinoids, but then mm -hmm. they're adding terpenes on top of that to add that to get that extra effect it's like a cocktail uh, a cannabis cocktail cannabis cocktails one heck of a party all yeah, right man well did you hear uh, leafly we were on that they just published a study how many people do you think are working for the legal cannabis industry now oh that's a good one that was uh i believe the study said what uh 200 full-time workers 211,000 full-time workers. That's essentially, and today's Wednesday, March 6th. So uh, Friday, the 7th, they will come out with the jobs numbers and there might not be 211 jobs created, 211,000 jobs created uh, in the past month, but essentially one month of job growth in the entire uh, United States is equal to the amount of uh, people that are, are now working in the legal cannabis industry. So. Just 211,000, you know, as a reference, I wonder how many employees like Amazon or, or Walmart has. <laughs> you know, it, it's an amazing to watch the industry itself uh, grow and, and evolve as other. Uh, well, first off, my personal opinion is any job is lateral. You can everybody wants to be like, how do I get to work in weed? Well, what do you do now mm -hmm. presently for your full time? You know, you work in retail, you can work in retail as a bud tender. You work in, say, uh, high-profile sales. You could work for a, a, a bigger company as the salesman. You know, there's uh, and, and yourself, a cannabis fucking lawyer. I mean, there's different lateral positions that people can take. Yeah, that's that's well. I got two things. First, I, I did look up. It's 1.4 million. That's how many people work for Walmart. So uh, I guess the legal cannabis industry is currently like one seventh of Walmart. But another one is I got my in Illinois here. I got my leading lawyers. Um, and it's it's just one of these things. And you know, I'm a leading lawyer, 
and you can you get recommended by your peers. Some people get in, some people don't. And uh, they have all these different laws that you can practice. You know, one of them is uh, bank law. So like I, I one of them for banking law and also for like uh, commercial transactions and those types of things. But they've added a new one, cannabis law. So even in leading lawyers, the cannabis lawyer thing is becoming an actual uh, practice area, which is really, really exciting. Now, uh, I don't think that there's a Walmart lawyer, but there's an employment lawyer. I mean, there's just so many various areas that the legal cannabis industry is going to uh, open up opportunities for you. But, you know, yeah, but, eventually, I guess it's just going to be like you're a business lawyer, uh, more or less. Uh, right. I just posted a, a Detroit News article, um, but this has been going on, though, in a couple of other presses about how colleges have been adding cannabis to the curriculum. I've read that. That was another one of those leafly things that you're going to be able to major in cannabis now. So, sure, if there's only 200,000 jobs right now, how many jobs are going to be in 10 years? Is this going to grow another 10 times? Will there be 2 million people that are working in the cannabis field? Uh, it, that would be, I mean, there's more lawyers. There's only like about a million lawyers or a 1.2. So, yeah, there would be as many, there are more people in cannabis than there would be in that are lawyers that are working for Walmart that are doing anything. I mean, it's it's becoming a legitimate huge industry. And one of the things that I get to talk on tomorrow, uh, and I'm I have to do a presentation on it that I've been working on over here. I guess I can show you that as that with the old screen sharing thing. Um, uh, you know, hemp, the newest agricultural commodity. So, I mean, it's it's the agricultural commodity aspect of hemp. Now that's going to open up other um, jobs that aren't, aren't ex that don't exist. One of the things is, you know, uh, unlike all the other agricultural commodities, corn, soybeans, if your crop goes bad, you can have federal crop insurance. They don't have yeah. that yet for, for hemp. Uh, what about this? There's also no futures contracts for, for hemp. What happens? Is there going to be a whole new options pit for the, the, the hemp industry? But for right now, I mean, there's still so much regulation that haven't been written. And so that's going to be a lot of the presentation. And I might actually put that on here live tomorrow at about nine in the morning. Uh, Central right. time. Yeah. Well, you know, I think with hemp, though, too, it's such a new industry that it's not going to have uh, overstock. It's more going to be understocked right now. Uh, that's 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 one of the things we're worried about uh, ca capacity because people are they don't know where they can process it. Uh, and a lot of the laws are written in the way that, you know, so you're growing a high CBD concentrated uh, hemp for uh, creating the full spectrum. And then if we're going to go over the FDA regulations, that's one of the reasons why all the hemp uh, extracts, they they don't just say CBD because that would be isolating the pure uh, actual drug, which would be illegal because then you're you're not taking the extract of that, which contains a high percentage of CBD after you've concentrated it, you're actually just isolating it and, and taking the drug and that's a no-no. And so you'll see on these uh, CBD um, tinctures and, and other things that are in the market, it'll say like full spectrum uh, hemp extract or full spectrum CBD extract. And that has to get back to the federal regulations, which still, uh, they, won't be, they won't be finalized for a while. And you know, that's kind of sad where the federal the federal regulations actually hurting our American industry because we have ex import from Canada and, and South Africa of hemp type products that's being infused already and sold. We have a huge China 
terpene slash CBD fucking uh, uh, supplier issue. You know, we don't know where your C- you don't know where your CBD is coming from. That's, that should be that's true. Well, I mean, yeah, import export, but then it, even when it, w- it would be uh, something that the because it would it would not necessarily be that regulated because it's kind of like your herbal supplements. They really aren't all that regulated. You don't even need to have them be uh, certified for what is what the label says is actually what the pill is. But right. um, I need to bone up more on the actual FDA regulations when it comes to the, the CBD extracts as well. That's kind of the part of the uh, presentation that I'm at now, because there's different there's different little regulations that they have. Like if something's grass or if something came after some act from 1994 called like Deshaies, and then uh, if it was in the food supply before 1994, and of course with, uh, what was it, hash. Hashish. Hashish has been in the quote unquote food supply and a food supply like hashish is not food. Well, neither are all those herbal supplements, but they just kind of qualify for as food under these particular regulations. However, speaking of the FDA, it seems like uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb will be out uh, of the FDA after next month. So, you know, he needs to spend more time with his family. Wish we could all be so lucky. (laughs) Shit. So do you yeah. think that can affect the uh, the the, pro- the process coming up or hinder it or worse or better? I don't I, know what it's going It's going to be a lot in the sense that uh, there's public comment periods and all these things that happen when you do have a change in regulation. So the, the farm bill was passed and signed in December. And so I don't know if they've even released any of the regulations for the public comment from the department, uh, probably USDA or the, uh, yeah, U.S. Food and Drug Administration, so that'd be the USDA, I think so, USDA, the FDA is different than, yeah, the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I know in Illinois, they're putting hemp and and stuff into the actual uh, Department of Agriculture in that state, but the regulations are annoying, and they take time to write those rules to actually carry out uh, the laws that are already passed, and then those rules get comment period, and then eventually the uh, the rules go into effect, and they'll start taking applications and, and doing the things that they're supposed to do. But didn't you tell me about something going on in Washington State that was kind of exciting? Yeah, so we're really stoked because homegrown is not dead for us quite yet. Uh, we were under the impression that homegrown was going to be a still bill uh, as of uh, last week. But recently, uh, a senator, uh, Wyden, I believe his name was, uh, added it to a bill for labeling, for cannabis labeling. Mm-hmm. So as much as I hate fucking politics and people adding things to, to things that don't have the name of the fucking product, I really Being don't the, care. The writer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a writer. I, I just, I'll take it. So today it's being heard, and so hopefully it goes further. Well, that's great, man. Um yeah, and then the there is supposed to be a CBD policy hearing in April coming up. So the, the FDA, again, it gets back into that public uh, uh, discourse that they have in le- legislation. And so now that it's been uh, passed and it's it's a lawful agricultural commodity, it's just that there's no futures contracts and there's no insurance, crop insurance for it yet. Now they're going to start you know talking uh, to the public to get the comments to see how they want the actual rules uh, to be written. And that was one of the things that I got done with a client yesterday and I learned that uh, hemp 
versus you know cannabis that has THC, and the only difference is 0.3% uh, or more THC, and then you're talking about marijuana, or if it's 0.3% or less, you're talking about hemp, both are cannabis. Um, and, and that is that if you are growing and you are making, let's say you're growing a strain, Argyle, for example, it's about a one-to-one -one strain, so you're getting THC and CBD, so then that gets processed for medical purposes for the extract, you know, the, the CO2 extraction process with mm. all the stuff that you need for it and, and the facility. Okay. And then a shipment of hemp comes in and you're, it's, it's just straight CBD product. You know, let's say it's an 18% CBD flower. Great. You know, 0.3% or less THC qualifies as hemp. And you're like, all right, let me get at this extraction uh, equipment that you have so that I can then make my full spectrum hemp extract that I can then sell alongside the, uh, the, uh, the, the cannabis extract. No, 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 different regulations. You have to get your own processing and your own production facility. So that's going to cause some issues. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Uh, what is the, uh, the test requirement? So I know that's another contention right now is, uh, I mean, obviously we all know, uh, hemp it's like the first cousin to marijuana you know just the cbd mm -hmm. <laughs> but the thing is like there are going to be variations sometimes in a crop where that plant will uh uh i don't want to say i want to say mutate but it'll evolve with it's, it's jeff it's uh jeff goldblum from uh jurassic park life finds a way right so right is there is there do you guys have testing then for that 0.3 percent is that what they're doing for to maintain uh, it on the market uh, uh, Again, that, that gets back into the regulations and the regulations that they're drafting to take into effect that law will have to have some type of oversight and uh, t testing quality to make sure that you don't go over that line in the sand. They've drawn about the 0.3%. And if you do, then you have some real problems. I mean, you have to destroy your entire crop because it's technically a schedule one substance. It's not hemp. It's then technically cannabis or well, marijuana. And so you would have to destroy the whole thing. Maybe the farmer gets arrested for Just Think about it. Like the Controlled Substances Act has, uh, you know, mandatory punishments that come with uh, certain infractions. One of those, I think, is growing uh, over a certain amount of plants. I'm not sure how many, if it's a thousand or if it's a hundred or if it's 10,000. But if you had acres of hemp that you're growing and then the test comes back and it's not point zero point three percent, let's say it's. 0.5%, just that 0.2%, then you'd have to destroy the entire field, which would be a huge waste of money. And you can expose you to criminal liability and there's no crop insurance for you to get paid back from. That's, yeah, wow. Yeah. That's a lot fucked up. <laughs> that, that is a lot fucked up, man. That is a lot fucked up. And that's like one of the things that the, the regulations are going to have to address. And here we are. It's freezing outside, but it is March 6th. So like in another two months, people are going to be wanting to plant. But because the public comment period for hemp just ended in um, in Illinois, the first public, the initial public comment period about three weeks ago in the middle of February, now there's going to be uh, more more rules that they'll have, the final rules. And after the final rules are published, then you'll still have some time before uh, the state starts taking applications. And for the, the talk tomorrow, I, I looked at how long it took for the medical cannabis uh, pilot program. And I'm just kind of using them as functional equivalents just to get, you know, because it's just a 
it's just a yardstick. It's a rule, uh, a ruler to see like, okay, well, judging from how long it took for that law, it'll probably take similar time for this law. And uh, for medical cannabis cards from like the time that the rules came out and were published initially to the time that the state started taking applications was over five months. So the rules came out for hemp uh, basically on January 1st. Here we are uh, two months thereafter. So it could be another three months. It could be June 6th before Illinois starts taking hemp applications, maybe faster, but maybe not. Yeah. Huh. So uh, <laughs> are you familiar with Adweek? Uh, Adweek. Uh, no, I'm not. So it's just a marketing magazine, whatever. But they have an interesting uh, article uh, this month, uh, marketing cannabis within the confines of recreational and medical. You know, as far as like branding, you know, uh, when you have a medical market, of course, you're going to label your, your brand medical. But now we, as we go into this recreational scene, I mean, it's still medical for a lot of people. But at the same token, uh, it's a Friday <laughs> night. Token. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's a Friday night delight. You know, it's a it's Friday night delight or as Tommy Chong used to probably still says all use is medical use. But um, you're right. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of gets back to the loophole of in, in prohibition. You know, oh, I need my medicinal whiskey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, my cough is so bad. That's why I need a little medicinal whiskey. That's a good point. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, all whiskey is healthy whiskey. Well, I mean, I you remember back, and I don't because I wasn't alive at the time, but I, I've seen these ads. Uh, the ads where the doctor would be smoking and says, like, only camel cigarettes have the smoothening of tobacco that hits your Q zone, and four out of five doctors recommend them to their patients that are trying to lose weight. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, you know, cigarettes for the happy housewife. <laughs> Yeah, so are we going to have uh, hemp and, and cannabis advertising in five, ten years after it's lawful at both the state and the federal level, uh, mimicking old ads for cigarettes, where they're branding both the health aspects and also its cool, uh, you know, rich Oregon smoke. Savory slash uh, right. calming effects. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean. Mm, I, minty and lemony at the same time. I think it's hard, though, for, for a, um, a company to focus on what they're like the one effect. You know, it's hard to say this strain is for PTSD or this strain is for your bad back. You know, uh, you know, they, people, I think the farmers, the farms themselves need to say these are treatable. But because everybody has a different cabin wood system. You know, each one of us yeah, reacts to a different circulatory system, but I mean, it's still yeah. the same system. I mean, it, it, some people are allergic to peanuts. Some people aren't. I, I understand what you're saying, but it's still the same. Every every human's a human. Well, it's just like uh, coffee. You know, I could drink coffee all day and it keeps me at a maintained level. Also, I've seen people who drink coffee and shut down where they're like, yeah, I don't drink. And right. I, I never. Yeah. So I just think because, you know, in, in America, we very if we say it's medical or if we say it, it has these benefits, you better goddamn prove it can, or have a 20-minute disclaimer. Are you, talk sure? About Are you sure about that? Like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that if you have a drug in America and you get it FDA approved, you better really have a marketing strategy for that drug and say it does something. I mean, if cannabis wasn't on a controlled substance, I have no idea how many sub-varietals of pharmaceutical crap 
they would have turned the cannabis in to to and advertise it for whatever uh, condition under the sun. I mean, fibromyalgia, well, I just, right? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I forget what the drug was. Just but yesterday I saw a fucking ad that pissed me off because uh, the drug itself was for like type two diabetes. But then there was like a real quick like. May or may not help you with weight loss type shit. Disclaimer. You know, right. a lot of these drugs now, they're finding cross-platforms for them where they'll say, it may help oh, you with this. Right. I mean, like what happens when it goes off patent? Well, it's off patent for that. We need a, a whole new use for it. I tell you. Yeah. But uh, turning it back to legalization news, Hawaii has decided not to legalize marijuana. Yeah. I, uh, I can't believe that. I'm not sure. Maybe it's like, maybe you don't need, but, but like, that doesn't make any sense because isn't Hawaii a pretty big marijuana centric culture? Isn't that where both uh, Willie Nelson and also uh, Woody Harrelson have places? And Jack Johnson, I believe. And well, yeah, I thought Jack Johnson was a surfer dude in general, but uh, that, that yeah. doesn't surprise me. No, you would think the Hawaii culture would be embracing the uh, the the cannabis lifestyle, the cannabis um, mantra, but. Uh, it seems that they, uh, I think the politicians fear federal dollar more than the, uh, federal reprimands. You know, you're a tiny little island by itself, not self-sufficient. Uh, it's kind of what happened to Alaska in the 70s because they originally legalized uh, cannabis for uh, personal growth. I believe it was two plants. And then, yeah, uh, yeah uh, Alaska, I thought, was the first uh, of all the states to allow for a lawful uh, cannabis. Back in yeah. the 70s. Until, uh, until the, uh, I think, the, the Roads Commission said, you know, you're not going to get any money because uh, you you're, you're, you legalized a, a federally legal plant. And so they changed that rule so they can receive the monies for the roads and whatnot. Hmm. <laughs> 12, so states, I think, okay. 12 states in the District of Columbia have recreational marijuana laws. 12 whole states. That ain't bad. And uh, Hawaii, just from the, the article, it says that they, they still are hopeful for it this year. They didn't like the, the law as it was written, and they didn't want to rush it. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, there's one law, and here I am in Illinois, uh, three weeks later, still waiting on the cannabis uh, uh, legalization bill that has not yet been filed. And I think maybe that's kind of one of the reasons why it hasn't been filed. And maybe one of the reasons why it, it failed in Hawaii is that, uh, you know, you have to be careful with what is in the bill. And, you know, speaking of what is in the bill, switching from states to federal law, did you read that uh, Marijuana Justice Act 2019? I didn't read it. You know, when it comes to legislation, I just kind of uh, hold my breath and hope for the best because, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's been years and like you'll hear about it and something else is introduced and something else is introduced. And you just kind of get a little desensitized to all the bills that are in Congress for the, the normalization of marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I used to travel on the road as a technician, I met a guy uh, behind the scenes. I talked to the other technicians when I'm checking their equipment. And uh, this guy, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, in the 80s, I, I was part of normal. This is in Wisconsin. And uh, he was just like, uh, or not Wisconsin, Wyoming, sorry. But he was talking about how in his younger days, he was very pro-legalization. He's part of normal. He fought for it. But then he got burned out. And, and I find that to be a lot of people is, you know, you have these hopes and dreams as a kid. You're like, it's fucking obvious. This plant, no one's died from it. Why are we, why is it illegal? Why are people in jail? And, and you know, when, when there's worse things out there presently, you know, legal and whatnot. 
And at the same token, when you get no headway, you get burned out and think everything's corrupt, you know? Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, of course. Can you imagine thinking that the whole system is rigged and everything's corrupt when it comes to <laughs> cannabis? Are you kidding? Of course. Of course you would think that. Especially, I mean, what's it been now? Seven years for Washington State when it comes to recreational. So that's also still seven no years. For, yeah, still no homegrown. But, I mean, two states have been legal now for seven years, and the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened. No, it has not. It has not happened. But uh, one thing did, and I think it kind of is a hallmark of maybe we're getting to the, uh, the zenith, maybe not. I'm not sure how much further out into the, uh, the stratosphere this thing can go. But CBD is so popular and so omnipresent now that one of the yoga uh, uh, shalas that I subscribe to and get email offers from, they actually are going to have a two-hour event, CBD and yoga class. Because, wow. yeah, that's, that's what we need. We need more CBD and yoga class. All, <laughs> all the essential oils were not enough. You know, we need some CBD in it. But that just kind of tells me that uh, the CBD craze might be getting to uh, its saturation point. And if I was a hemp farmer, I'd be like, hmm, might want to get in on this. But I don't know if I'm going to be a bag holder because there's no crop insurance. You can't even get an application into the state in Illinois. And uh, there's no futures contracts. So what happens if everybody grows it? And right now they're quoting me this uh, $28 a pound for uh, high quality 18% uh, CBD flour. But by next crop year, because so much supply has come online and people are now starting to get tired of the CBD craze, it's not as hot as it once was. The price is only selling for $15 a pound. You know, it's just it's just a lot of uncertainty. Well, I, I, and I think with anything the cannabis related hemp or whatever, I mean, that uncertainty has been there, you know, for the past 15 years. And people have taken a risk. People have made a shit ton of money. And then other people have taken a risk and, you know, spent their whole life savings. It's absolutely true. And that's that's just one of those things where you do have to make that risk. And I I talk to people and they aren't necessarily trying to get into anything that is more than they can take on. But uh, they're they're concerned about it. But let's go back to one of these. I was a little bit more stoked than you were. Maybe it's because I'm not as jaded as you are just yet. But um, the Marijuana Justice Act of 2019 that Cory Booker introduced in the Senate and um it was two Repub not, not Republicans, representatives from California, uh, Barbara Lee and Ro Kahana uh, introduced it in the House of Representatives. So I thought it was really, really interesting because last week we were talking about H.R. 420. And one of the things that I said that I didn't like about it was it didn't look like it had a lot of criminal justice reform. The next day they introduced the Marijuana Justice Act thing that addresses a lot of criminal justice reform, especially when it comes to auto expungement of criminals. Can you believe that? Yeah, no, I did see that part where where the words actual. I mean, the fact that it said justice, it did pique my interest, and and then and then to see that yes, there people are going to have uh, a way to to get their records, you know, uh, sponged or get released from jail. I mean, it makes perfect sense if you're going to do any sort of legalization, 
you got to think about the guys sitting behind bars right now, you know? Oh, absolutely. And then they really, they didn't just put that into effect with the auto expunger. Then they'd be entitled to petition for a rehearing or a resentencing because think about, you know, how uh, a lot of these crimes are prosecuted. They like to stack the crimes up. So let's say they threw in, you know, the cannabis crime on top of like a gun crime or some other crimes. So like, you know, they're going to try to prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law, as the saying goes. And so now uh, that that additional uh, infraction that was cannabis related might have uh, gotten you a much larger sentencing or a much larger sentence. And so if the uh, Marijuana Justice Act passes and is signed into law and everybody's auto expunged, which is amazing, uh, then, yeah, they would have to petition for a resentencing because like some people might be getting out and they went into a huge community reinvestment fund that is going to help pay for all the uh, expenses associated with this large en masse uh, auto expungement. That's a question that I haven't uh, researched, but I'm assuming that there is an answer because uh, prisons or uh, especially federal ones, they have to publish data because you know it's it's a government agency and we'd have the first amendment right to understand what's going on in there how many uh cannabis violators are currently sitting in federal prison how many people are currently being held uh for cannabis uh crimes that's in federally federally because this is just we're not talking about the states we're only talking about federally how many federal cannabis prisoners are there well, that's still a hard question to answer, too. We've, I've dealt with many people over the years who we've all asked that question, right? How many people are locked up federally or even logistically? The problem is, like you said, a lot of times when these charges are brought against people, uh, it's probably a RICO charge, you know, a gun charge with it. So there's a culmination of charges that you can't sing out the drug charge. And then when you look at the fucking drug charge, it doesn't say cannabis or, or marijuana. It just says Schedule 1. So right. again, now you just right. which, is, which is really cool. And I don't mean to cut you off. That gets back to the other half of the, of the Marijuana Justice Act was the descheduling of cannabis, which was the same as the H.R. 420 that we discussed last week. And so that's still like the absolutely right way to go. As you were just saying, you really can't tell if it was cannabis. It just says a schedule one substance. Yeah, which I didn't even think about that. If they deschedule it, that would definitely by default uh, kind of reinvigorate uh, the case, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, because like now you were found guilty of possession of a Schedule One substance. Cannabis has been descheduled. It's no longer a Schedule One substance. Therefore, you were not found guilty of a crime. Of course, that's in the past, in 1974, it was a Schedule One substance. Now, uh, that's that's I, I still support the idea of the auto expungement simply because it, it helps with the criminal justice reform. And the Marijuana Justice Act goes even further and provides uh, funding for um, additional justice reforms or criminal justice reforms when it comes to the racial disparity of the marijuana crimes and how they are uh, more painful to those who can least afford uh, an attorney. And so it's the uh, are also uh, it's minorities. So like the poor and the minorities, the ones that are more likely to be penalized by the law. And they, they have they've built in state funding for, uh, you know, the community reinvestment fund for helping those people uh, be. I don't you really can't say fixed, I guess it'd be like some type of restitution so that the uh, the problems in the laws are addressed. And uh, the real cool thing is that it's trying to do kind of like with the we discussed earlier, the highway bills 
where how they uh, they use federal dollars to kind of get the states to act how they wanted them to. So they're going to try to do federal dollars to get the states to act how they want them to do when it comes to criminal justice reform and the cannabis laws. It's a, it's a great law. I don't know if it's going to become a law or if it's just going to die as a bill. What's the, uh, the process on that? How long do you think, how long does that take to, well, whether it falls dead into the water or, you know, what is that process like? They, all right, so it's introduced and then I'll go to committee. And then uh, it may never come out of committee uh, because who knows? And then uh, sometimes it'll go into committee. There might be some changes. So then there might be differences between the one that's in the House and the one that's in the Senate. Uh, eventually, they might try to get it passed, uh, an up or down vote on that law. Or they might try to do those things with the writers where they try to they stick it in on the budget because, you know, you don't have to vote for any bill but you do have to vote for the budget if you want to keep the government open. So that's one of the reasons why those budgets would kind of balloon into what they would call omnibus, you know, large, huge bills, and they might try to tack it onto that. And so then that could be one way that it's passed. Um, it, it depends. I mean, like, uh, I don't think they want it to pass. I don't think that, and I'm, this is me being skeptical, I don't think the Democrats want it to pass this year because Cory Booker's running for president and he wants to say, I introduced the Marijuana Justice Act and we need to have a vote on that. And it's being blocked in committee by the Republicans in Congress. Sure, sure. I mean, it's another fucking marching point or whatever. That's right. It's a campaign. You're trying to say, I'm doing this. They're standing in my way. This is the thing we're supposed to do. Everybody vote for me. And um, that's going to be their game. But it's it seems that all, not not one or two, but all of the Democrats that are running for president have put, and please, uh, if I'm wrong on this, correct me in the comments, all of the Democrats that are running for president have put cannabis legalization on their agenda in, and they support it. No, they do. Uh, that's one of the articles in Forbes recently about all the candidates for the Democrats uh, supporting a legalization of some sorts of another. But hmm. I think it's almost like a dead horse, it seems like sometimes for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I'm looking for one thing that uh, came from a reader uh, reader. Like this is, this is going out and somebody's reading it. Uh, right. It came from a viewer um, and it's about Nebraska and somebody like dropped in the comments, something about Nebraska that we could talk about real briefly. Somebody else dropped something in the comments about Texas, which was so sad and long. And I'm like, man, what is going on in Texas? That would be like a whole nother one of these things where I would have to dig into it and, and read the laws or lack thereof in, uh, in, in Texas. But I wanted to talk real briefly about Nebraska LB110. Uh, have you heard of Nebraska legislature over there, Miggy? No, what's going on with them? Uh, let me ask you this. How many branches of government are in uh, Washington State uh, legislature? I mean, as far as uh, uh, branches of government, Congress and Senate, you mean? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Do they have do they have two? Do they have a Congress and a Senate or like you yeah. know, in Illinois, they call it like the, the the state legislature and then also the state Senate. Yeah. But they got, they got, they got two. All right. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska turns out to be like the Lance Armstrong of uh, state legislatures. And by that, I mean, it just has one nut. Uh, it, it, it's called the Nebraska unicameral legislature. So let me just go ahead and because I had never seen the word unicameral until I, I looked this up. So yeah, look at one. They got they got one thing. It looks like 
And wow. anyway, it is, it's, it's LB, Adopt Medical Cannabis Act. So it's been filed and back to bill detail. Can we actually read the bill? That's, that's kind of annoying that you can't even read the bill. Wish art. Yeah. Status pending. Bill detail. Just no, introduce. All right there. Here, I'll, I'll copy and paste it in the, in the. So, yeah, they do have a law and they're trying to get it passed. But uh, I think the interesting thing is that they only have one camera of legislature. So in theory, they just have to pass it once. The bill can't it doesn't need to be reconciled because you don't have a Senate because you only have like one legislature. But I never knew that any of the states were unicameral. And I haven't read the actual law itself, and I'm not. Sh and I'm assuming that you know, a lot of these medical cannabis laws have uh, echoes of, of one another, simply because you know they need to. And when you're drafting these laws, you don't just magically create your own thing that it might or might not work. You look at the other states that have, like California, for example, 20 years plus of medical cannabis. What worked there? How's their law look? And uh, you know, it's a 45-page bill that's about the same length as. Uh, Illinois medical cannabis law, so it might not be all that different, but uh, introduced on January 10th. And um, after that, there was an amendment that was just filed uh, to it, but you see that also does happen. Like, you know, so something will come out and then there's some amendments. I'm, I'm following the Illinois Cannabis Banking Act and there was just some amendments that were filed. So I have to go over and see what they want to change in it. But Pretty interesting that you know, they can amend this law and that, that kind of happens in committee. I have no idea what the up or down vote will be, but there will only be one up or down vote. Pretty easy. Pretty interesting, in my opinion. But that's that's yeah, a very already interesting thing. And because it's called a unilateral, unicameral? Unicameral. Because, like, you know, we're bicameral, Senate, Congress. But I guess Nebraska, yeah, they don't need two. They just need one. This just one guy. Yeah. Isn't Nebraska also where they do uh, the credit card uh, companies hide? A lot of I, I I thought it was Nebraska, but like you know I'm not sure what a lot of the credit card companies hide. I know that a lot of people love Omaha, and uh, Warren Buffett lives there. Hmm. And then the other state you were talking about? Oh, Texas. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, that's that's something. That, somebody left a fairly long uh, comment on one of my videos and just maybe like go, what? And I need to look and see what's going on in Texas because it seems like they're in the stone age and uh, back before, like, you know, it's basically still 1938 in Texas when it comes to marijuana and uh, they aren't even respecting um, uh, CBD extract. Well, I guess it would be full spectrum hemp extract that is high in CBD concentration, uh, which would be the lawful one under the FDA because it was in the food supply before Deshay. Yeah, it kind of rhymes. Let me just update my uh, uh, presentation notes on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I got That's one of the things. It's it's two forty here. I I told her she asked me to have the presentation done by three. Yeah, I got a life, man. I gotta I gotta work. So I'll get this to her by three p.m. Colorado time. There you go. Yeah. You know, to tell you about the Texas bill is. Um, because I'm friends with Colton Morris. He is the uh, uh, El Paso, Texas head of normal and founder of there. And um, so right now it's HB 63 they have going on down there. Uh, they've just gained more uh, 17 joint co-authors. That's four that were added yesterday. 
Uh, what else can I tell you about it? Um, they had a hearing on it two days ago. I know that much. There was a very huge support for it. Um, I know it's a medical bill. His uh, uh, actually, his wife was sick when he started when he found El Paso normal, and then uh, Beto O'Rourke he uh, joined his cause and uh, uh, has been helping him try and get this bill across. Nice. So it it there's something that's moving. It's just not moving very fast, and it sounds like the current set of, state of the law is really, really draconian and scary. Pretty much. It's Texas. It's Texas. It is Texas. <laughs> well, man, um, it's going to be another big and exciting week. Still waiting on seeing the uh, text of the Illinois law and waiting on seeing when the Illinois uh, Department of Agriculture will start taking hemp applications. So I'm quite stoked on that. And uh not sure what other news will happen between now and a week from now, but if it's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Time, noon Pacific Standard Time, where do you think you're going to find yourself? I think I'll be uh, on this little phone right here, stuck talking to you. About the cannabis legalization news from last week. There you go. <laughs> yeah, 